When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 446 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jim Hilton. He's Emil Evanesian. And before I say too much else, just a quick programming note. I am not brushing the Nagara case and the very serious charges against FC Barcelona under the rug and ignoring them. That will be the primary focus of the second show this week. So don't you worry. That will all be covered. Because today, though, the focus is solely basically going to be Athletic Club. And we will, of course, start with Emil, I'll ask you a question, though, not to, again, brush aside any of the details or anything like that. We'll get into all that, all the players, all the accusations, all the charges, everything like that. We'll get to that on the second show. But Athletic Club, of course, having a little bit of fun at Barcelona's expense, that those yep. Mafia tickets coming out in the 30th minute. And it really yep. did feel like, as far as the sporting match that we saw, in those 90 minutes, of course, the semi mess is always difficult. And of course, too, the charges taking place last in 2018. So, so many of these players these charges aren't even applicable to the time that they were playing for FC Barcelona. Oh, exactly. So I think it was a little easier for this group to kind of put that past them. I mean, yeah. Javi, though, their manager was a part of so many of those years when these charges are being of corruption and being thrown at Barcelona. So I don't know. I feel like it was something to ask them to kind of put this behind them. But certainly they're being asked about it. And there, there must be some kind of whirlwind behind the scenes that the players were able to, we'll say, get past or, or not have to worry too much about. No doubt. I mean, I think the... Yeah, you're right. I mean, the the active roster. I mean, what it's maybe a handful of people. Sergi Busquets and you know Sergio Roberto and Jordi Alba are probably the only you know maybe Ter Stegen are, are the only players who were on the the active roster when 
a lot of this alleged stuff went down. And I mean, even, you know. And I would um, argue, too, yeah, I would argue yesterday that Sergio Roberto did play as if he was the one with something on his mind. Um, <laughs> so I, I will throw that one out there. Not and I mean, even even with Xavi having been an active player during some, some portion of when this stuff was going on, even if that was the case, I mean, I don't, I don't know that any of this, the athletic club fans did what fans do, like, you know, in a, in a rivalry game. I mean, if whatever the case was with, with Barca, when they come, when they come to your house at nine o'clock on Sunday night and just, you're, you're going to try to wind, you know, wind them up and kind of throw, throw whatever shade at them you can. I don't imagine anybody really thinks that the active playing roster is, you know, too intimately involved with what any of this stuff was. So, I mean, even if, even if Javi was playing there, like, I mean, I, I can't imagine he was intimately aware of these things going down. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the problem is that this is happening and it is sticky as far as the news goes. It's, you know, the, the news cycle isn't chewing this up and spitting it out, you know, nearly as quickly as, uh, as I guess everyone involved would, would prefer. So yeah, I mean, it's something you have to deal with and questions are going to be asked, but I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, the, the players I'm sure will get tired of and annoyed with at some point the, the questions constantly being posed to them. But I don't imagine they really know anything or, or are actually involved and are going to be able to to shed a lot of meaningful light on it. I mean, it, it does kind of stink for them. It's like the stupid Paul that's, you know, hanging over the, yeah. the back, you know, this home stretch of the season. But I mean, I would imagine the focus is entirely on, you know, compartmentalizing this and only giving this as much mental energy, like kind of the bare minimum amount of mental energy that, that it requires and focusing in, instead on just the, you know, the task at hand Yeah, I mean, in I, La Liga and the Copa Dore. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I mean, even from my perspective, like, how am I going to cover this? I'm worrying about, I think there is certainly something to be said about the silence. If, if, if Kool-Aid, those with platforms like myself, don't say something or, you know, give attention to it and treat it seriously. But in the same respect, like, what can someone who's just creating content on something do? And I had a friend text me actually saying, hey, I, I saw another thing of FC Barcelona in the headlines. And he goes, I don't know much about what happens on the pitch for them, but I do constantly see them in the headlines. <laughs> and, and you know, he was kind of making a joke about it and being in yeah. light about it. But, you know, in all seriousness, I texted back like, yeah, I mean, I'm tired. I'm tired of five years of scandal and constantly making the bottom ticker of ESPN or, or Marca or... Mm. You know, Mark is going to create something no matter what, but oh, yeah, you know, yeah. always, but, but I'm saying like ESPN or whatever it may be, like, I'm tired of being on the bottom ticker for things unrelated to achievements on the field. Yeah. I mean, other than winning the Spanish Super Cup against Real Madrid, what in the last year, like the calendar year, going back to when Xavi was hired in October, when has Barcelona been on the bottom ticker? I mean, yeah, I guess when they won El Clasico for nothing, that was there, right? Like everything yeah. that Barcelona has done to be on the bottom ticker has involved beating Real Madrid three of the last five times that those two teams have, have, have met and that's it. And so, yeah, I, I'm, it, I'm absolutely, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah it, it, there hasn't been a positive on pitch story. You know, it kind of, I mean, there's been positive on pitch stories, but nothing that kind of transcends the, yeah. you know, that goes beyond kind of hardcore football fans and reaches the mainstream. Yeah, and then focusing really on Athletic Club, I mean, it's tough because going into a game Athletic Club, mm. Barcelona's up nine points on the table, and you yep. say, okay, well, not even worst-case scenario, but expectedly without Araujo, without Dembele, without Pedri, mm. and with Lewandowski out of form, just two goals in his mm. last nine Liga games. Like, yeah. it, it was expected that even with him coming back that Barcelona could easily, easily have dropped points at some MS. <laughs> but, you know, it's, again, another one of those one-nothings where I think, you know, you've been here with me all year, 
it feels like a broken record. And we're saying, <clears> are we about <throat> to have the exact same conversation again? How do you put a new spin on this other than yeah. Barcelona have drama off the field and they've survived another one nothing went on the field. <laughs> and this time it just happened to be through two different VAR calls that I think were both correct. VAR looked at them. If anything, the whole point is that the referee got them wrong from the beginning, and then VAR yes. corrected them and made sure they were right. So for something about and they were both they were both clearly right. I mean, there was yeah. once you went to the to the VAR, there there really wasn't a lot of ambiguity. I mean, I know in in terms of narrative, it plays out ideally for anyone who wants to pile on. You know, of course the the Barca goal, the big bad Barca who have this you know relationship with the referees, their their first goal, which was disallowed of course they go to the var and they you know they allow that goal and then what was actually a, a beautiful goal by Inaki Williams gets negated because of handball in the buildup i mean the in terms of narrative if you if you don't know any of the particulars it's perfect for kind of side-eyeing and just kind of chuckling and but the fact is that those were actually the correct calls i mean yeah. just it it just so happened that that that's how that broke Speaking of the Inaki Williams, so yeah. I guess we'll start at the end and, and yeah. go to the beginning. But yeah. I kind of disagree a little bit that that was a beautiful goal. I think Balde was where he was supposed to be positioned mm. upfield, and then Marcus Alonso just. Mm. I mean, I mean, people are blaming Xavi for putting Alonso on the field in that situation, but the other option is Eric Garcia. So I don't know what you do in that situation because Eric Garcia is going to be trusted and Jules Kunde is the backup right back. So Kunde moves and shifts over to right back because Roberto had to come off the field. So it's one of those like, was Inaki Williams going to destroy Roberto or was somebody going to eventually get to him? Or was it Marcus Alonso who was just not ready to play and cut out? And uh, it didn't help that Kessie wasn't ready for that game either. It didn't play his best, but... I mean, it's it's weird, too, because I think big picture wise, Barcelona now 25 match days in, they have nine one nothing wins. So it's this odd thing where, again, talking to the bottom ticker, that Barcelona have not had these commanding, dominating the Liga winning games to tell you, oh, this is the team that is the best in Spain. Third, but still, it's it's odd because, again, the numbers are not equal to what we're watching and the cognitive distance there. And I, I think that allows those who aren't rooting for Barca or those frustrated with Barca to kind of pile on. And I felt like too, with this Negara case that I kind of wrapped this up with a final thought here, this is tough. And that's why I only take almost an entire week and a half to go over it. And again, well, I'm going to do it the second pod this week, go dig in on YouTube because I feel like there is so much more, even more so than the levers and all those things. Like the levers, I think became a little bit of a meme, but anybody who spent two seconds just reading what was happening. They're like, okay, Barcelona before going what, uh, what 6% of the future revenue on these different revenue streams for if anyone was willing to understand it at all, it took two seconds. And I think again, it became a meme and even respectable journalists kind of, you know, laughed at it a little bit off, but it became something that Barca is getting away with it. Right. But they got away with this on a thing. But when it comes to this one, I think there's been so much disingenuous dialogue about this Nagara case and the idea of corruption, the idea of cheating, you know, and I, in the U.S., like I hate the not hate, but a lot of my friends are from are from Boston and I have a lot of New England Patriots friends and I don't care for the New England Patriots. I don't hate them. I, I just, you know, I nothing them. They that doesn't matter to me. But a lot of my friends obviously have they feel like they have to defend them. It, it all counts. So all I'm going to say about the Nagara case is this game, notwithstanding that we're going to talk about. But I, I think if Barca, if there was corruption, whoever did the wrong thing or, you know, going to the court of law, then. However it plays out is how it plays out, right? And I'm not going to defend what the club did wrong, but it's also like, it doesn't, we'll talk about that later in the week. Anyway, so <laughs> we have 13 match days left, 39 possible points. Again, this is about the numbers in the league and the standings not being equal to what we see on the field because you wouldn't expect it 
But if Barca did win all of those games in those final 13 match days, they would finish the season on 104 points. So even if they drew two of them, so that's 11 wins and two draws, or lost one of them, that's 12 wins and one loss, they would still finish with 100 points or more. The only time Barca did that was the 2012-13 season under Tito Villanova. The only time Barca's never done it. And then 2011-12, the year before, was the only time anybody else did it. Now it's Jose Mourinho and Jose Mourinho and Real Madrid. So I don't expect Barca to get 11 wins and two draws throughout the last 13 games, of course, of Clasico coming up on the weekend. But that said, this is going to be, points-wise, potentially, an historic season for FC Barcelona, which, again, is insane because, and that's the other big stat here I'll throw at you, that game ending one nothing means it's Barcelona's ninth one nothing win of the season in the Liga. 11 is the all-time record, but no team has even won nine or more and won the title. one nothing wins does not win you in a Liga title until now. So this pain, this punishment, and this suffering is when you say it's something unprecedented, it really is something unprecedented. Yeah. Even Atletico Madrid, when they won the Liga title under Diego Simeone, yeah. did not do this. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I actually joked on Twitter yesterday that 2022-23 Barca is Diego Simeone's favorite team. <laughs> is <laughs> Because, I mean, this is... I mean, they have taken... They have elevated Cholismo to its absolute apex. You know, I mean, it is just chef's kiss stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it is staggering. I'm I'm really surprised by that statistic because I would have absolutely assumed that one of those Atletico title. I mean, I guess the the original one, the uh, the first Atletico title team under Simeone. I would have assumed that they would have racked up the 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 one nils at, mm-hmm. at this at this rate, if not if not more. Because I always just figured that. I mean, I always thought of those teams as. Thinking of the second goal is wasteful if, if it's not necessary. But but this uh, Barca team is even better defensively though than, than I know it's crazy. Barca has conceded it's eight wild goals, eight goals in twenty five games this league season, yep. setting a new record. Still, I mean, every week mm-hmm. that they go by, it sets a new record. Of course, in that this stage in the competition, so match day twenty five after Atletico Madrid in nineteen ninety ninety one and Deportivo La Coruña in ninety three ninety four, both of them had conceded. They- 10. So yeah, eight. I mean, yeah, they continue to set records in just how few goals they are that they're conceding. And who I want to start with, I think there's two big figures to, to, to talk about and yep. that almost kind of get out of your own, maybe a few other guys. But I think we have to start with Ter Stegen. Like that number and yes. that, that tells me you have to start with Ter Stegen because I've been having this dialogue for the last few weeks or months where I've said, if Barcelona win the Liga, Pedri was my MVP. You see the way mm-hmm. the Barca play. When he's on the field, they play well. When he's not, they don't. But the way that Xavi said after the game, we need, I mean, he said, to paraphrase, we need more from the attack. Like the attacking spirit is yes. what we need it to be, right? And I think Pedri coming back for special classical, hopefully on Sunday, will help that, certainly enhance that a bit. But the way, again, fundamentally Barcelona play is important to Pedri and Dembele and things like that. But the way that Barcelona are getting results in the Liga comes down to Ter Stegen. So it's going to be this weird thing where I almost have to like, you know, break it off. And this is me being lazy and an NBA fan like yourself, like almost creating a new award to say, I might wind up at the end of this year saying Pedri was Barcelona's MVP. He was their most valuable player, the most important player they had, but the Liga MVP (laughs) might be Ter Stegen. If that makes any sense. Like the the team MVP is one person, but then in this competition, in the Liga, it has to go to Mark on Ter Stegen because yesterday, the 70th minute, that tremendous save across the body. Yeah, Yeah, it was a a great height for him, but strong hands, full extension. And then even on the follow-up save that was offside, that save tells me too, like can get in the head of the opposition where once he makes that save, you, you feel like, oh, that was offside and we couldn't even score. We had two guys behind the offside trap and we couldn't score it. He just, is going to start. Yeah, he's not. Him. He's not mailing in anything. Like he's not. Yep. He's not switching off when it's offside. Yeah, he is dialed in. And I mean, I think you know to take it to the uh, always delightful <laughs> discourse of NBA <laughs> MVP stuff. I do think if I, you know, if it was one of those situations where you had to pick just a singular Barca MVP for this season, I mean, I agree with you on Pedri. I mean, I think he is for me pretty clear cut the MVP of the outfield players. But I think it's just this this season, if, you know, assuming this last third or so of the season plays out anything like the, you know, these first 25 matches have in the league, 
I mean, it's going to be the season of Der Stegen. You know what I mean? It's just going to be, he will be the guy that we think of when we think back on this season, which is very strange because, you know, I, I can't think of a single season where Barca did anything of consequence and you, you know, almost the first name or the second name you think of is the, you know, just this unbelievable, this Goliath-like performance by by the keeper. And he's he's elevating just that. He, he's elevated himself to such astronomical heights. I mean, I think he's he deserves every last accolade he gets this season. Yeah, it's interesting too because last season's Real Madrid La Liga was won because of Kareem Benzema scored enough goals the way that yeah. Robert Lewandowski did in the first half of the season at least that yeah. they had a striker that scored enough goals and then a goalkeeper in Catois that saved them points. And Tosegan is doing the exact literally same made thing. never made a mistake and made every save that needed to be made. You know, just kind of yeah. I mean, he was kind of the the platonic ideal of a of a goalkeeper last season, and Tosegan has just kind of picked up that mantle this year. Yeah, I mean, it's helpful, too, because in front of him, again, this is kind of, uh, I mean, this was kind of interesting the way that Valverde both got it right and wrong, which is interesting. I, mm -hmm. I thought, actually, believe it or not, that Valverde and Xavi, I, I would give both of them like a B for tactics. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I, I think it was a good idea for Valverde to start Nico Williams Jr. against Sergio Berto. I know it seems yeah. like a galaxy brain thing, but Nico Williams Jr. is more comfortable on the right than he is on the left. So to put him on the left against Sergio Berto, again, it was a bit of a gamble to take him out of his game, but... Fortunately for Barcelona, while that worked, Sergio Roberto had no answer for Nico Williams Jr. Kunde, <laughs> yeah. thankfully, rebounded and was good yesterday. You saw yeah, that he had all stand, the answers. That final stand in stoppage time. I'm not yeah. sure exactly who it went off of. Was it Alonso? Was it the post? Was it Kunde? Whoever it was, one of the <laughs> one of the rebounds. You could see what it meant to him when yeah. Naraho out. Kunde became the leader of that back line, and he rebounded yeah. well. Christensen was good as normal, and mm -hmm. Balde. I want to talk about Balde for a second here. Balde was fantastic. Of course, who doesn't like talking about Balde? Yeah, yeah. I, every time I'm going to bring him up on the podcast, I catch myself because I go, hey, you really keep talking about this 18-year-old kid quite a lot. Are you overhyping him? Because, of course, you can always accuse me of overhyping Barca youngsters. But he has started now 19 of Barca's 25 games this season in the Liga. And obviously, he's, he's obviously Xavi's first choice at, right, at left back, rather. But now that Barca are not playing midweek games anymore, and they're pretty much done and dusted with that, I would say Jordi Alba is probably going to be on the bench for the next two and a half months. Like, yeah, he might get a spot start here or come off the bench, certainly. But now that there's only one game a week, I mean, again, those stats were almost surprising to me because I was like, you know, when, when you're playing midweek games, you're not really thinking about, and Copa del Rey, it's also in Spain, that thing. You don't think, oh, he started 19 of 25 games in the Liga, or he really is the starter when it comes to the, the trophy that Barcelona are closest to touching, right? Other than the Spanish Super Cup, a game that he also started in. And what was most impressive to me about him yesterday is that, you know, the Nico against Sergio Roberto slash Kunde thing, it didn't really entirely work for Nico. So they move him over to the right side against Balde because Balde was really pushing forward, you know, Ferran Torres. And it was almost despite Ferran Torres, like, which is a better compliment to Balde that you could see. I mean, we have clear examples now. There is video of Ferran Torres and Lewandowski disagreement was on the same page. Ferran Torres and Rafinha, unlike last week, not on the same page at all. Ferran Torres and Balde, even Balde getting frustrated when you're going to yell that by an 18 year old. Like, yes, he seems to be a pretty just 18 year old, but yeah, but when you're going to yell that by an 18 year old, Ferran Torres, like, take a breath. Like, I know it's all mental. And I, again, my heart goes out to him and onto like, I want those players to be right. Like this isn't all trashing Ferran Torres, but unfortunately that was not his game yesterday. But then when Ansu comes on, it wasn't really his game either. So there was no right choice for Xavi 
in that 4-3-3 because again, it wasn't Kessie either. So even if Xavi had started with a four-man midfield, it seems like he was missing one player on that left side or Kessie in that four-man midfield to do something right. But anyway, back to Balde, when Nico Williams Jr. gets moved to his side on his natural right, didn't really matter. Balde stopped him. I mean, Nico Williams Jr., four of his six dribbles, he was four of six in the dribbles yesterday. All four of them came on the left side. And he was also dribble passed three times, all of which were Alejandro Balde. So, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was, it was, that was the matchup that wound up defining the game is that if Nico Williams Jr., I mean, even in stoppage time, he should have finished though. Like that's an argument against athletic club fans. Like if, if Nico Williams Jr. was wearing a Barcelona uniform yesterday, Kool-Aid would have been absolutely like, get him out of my club. Like I can't handle that kind of miss. Right. But yet the game came down to that margin that it was a young player against a young player seemed to be friends. They went to the world cup together and they all, and they both have bright futures, but that game was kind of decided in that little mini matchup there in the second half when Barcelona were suffering mm-hmm. and surviving. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think I actually didn't, I guess that, that was the biggest thing. I wasn't paying as close of attention to Nico. I mean, I noticed him almost exactly like you said. I noticed him when he was going at Sergio Roberto. And then it was almost, now in hindsight, I, I noticed him by his absence, like in my in my memories. And, but it's exactly, I mean, you know, for Balde to both, negate him you know nico as as well as he did while also having the impact and attack now i know as you know as the game wore on the impact of the barca attack tapered off dramatically it was you know it, it was much more there weren't a lot of weapons out you know but i i didn't feel like they posed much of a threat with regard to ferran torres with both him and I mean, I'm, it's very clear where I stand on Ansu Fati. I mean, I, I want him to play I at this point in the game. If you didn't cash him in and you have needs in attack, I would pick Ansu Fati over Ferran Torres. I've not seen, you know, I mean, particularly with Dembele out, you know, because, I mean, Rafinha has looked, I mean, particularly last night, like he was excellent, but Rafinha's looked good. Lewandowski's in. He has looked a little bit a shell of his, himself, but look, you're not rotating Lewandowski. You're not benching him. So, okay, that does leave that one last spot. I mean, what I thought of when I was watching Ferran Torres yesterday, and it kind of almost uh, goes back to the whole, like, penalty thing with him and Ansu and, you know, whatever. He strikes me so much of... uh, He smacks of uh, Alvaro Morata to me, where literally all of the raw materials are there, and he often finds himself in the right places to do the thing. And yet the thing all too often doesn't get done. And the majority of sort of memories and impressions that that you have, you know, if you just play word association and throw out his name, it's going to be something along the lines of missed a shot, you know, or, you know, flubbed a chance or something like that. And I don't know what you do with him. The fact that he's had some level of friction with, what, three or four different teammates at this point, it seems to be exasperating all of them is a little bit problematic. I don't know what the actual fix is for it, or I don't know if you take a dramatic, I don't know if you put him on the bench or, you know, whatever it is, but clearly both ways. I mean, he's not, he's not a guy who's a mercurial difficult teammate, but you know, a guy who's stuffing the score sheet or someone who is at least at this moment in time, kind of so deeply beloved and worthy of his place on pure vibes alone. So I don't know where that, I don't know where that actually leaves him. Well, I, you know, I think it's a whole podcast 
in itself to ask the question, if you only keep one, is it onto with a Ferran Torres? But I would also say that the comments made by Juan Laporta this week were really telling. Mm-hmm. That I combine that with the very believable rumors about Victor Roca, 40 million euros at some point when mm-hmm. Barcelona can afford him and that kind of deal. There is a forward, and Juan Laporta said it, there is a forward who is going to be gone this summer. And it's either Ansu or it's Ferran Torres. I think no longer going to be Rafinha, though, if anything, he would, in theory would snatch the biggest price at this point, maybe over yeah, your probably You could probably make money on him, you know? Well, <laughs> Just... Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know, maybe. Anyway, well, I'll get that. Yeah. I'm going to do Rafinha in a second. But between mm-hmm. Ferran and Ansu, I think it sounds crazy in this conspiracy brain me, but I think one of them or both already know that one of them is gone. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't know who it is, but I think Farron's like, I have a 50-50 shot of being out of this club because yeah. financially they're going to sell one of us because neither of us are performing. They're going to try to swap out somebody else. I mean, potentially mm-hmm. even younger, if you're going to pay Gundogan's salary or whatever you want to do. I think both of them are playing as if they know that they're likely leaving. And again, it may not be both, mm-hmm. but it's one of them. And for Juan Laporta to say just the way he did, like I know Juan Laporta says a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> case. Like he says a lot of stuff. But yeah. I, I think... When, in that statement about like because he said the specific position now yeah. again it goes back to the week before when he was talking about center backs and everyone's like what is he talking about <laughs> like the right. position seems like Barca actually have any players for and, and then Kunde is playing a right back so a lot of gobbledygook there yeah. but yeah I, I don't know just conspiracy brain that, I feel like they're the, playing as if they know that their time is limited and one of them that theory makes a lot of sense a foot out yeah so, I mean I don't even know if it's that much of a conspiracy theory as much as, but what you're saying absolutely makes sense I mean whether someone's actually been told something specifically or or not. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to be, if you apply any logic to it, if you're one of, just one of those two guys, I mean, you would have to assume that keeping the both of them, it just, it wouldn't make sense. You know, you would have to, yeah. even just in a vacuum, both of those guys would have to be thinking like, damn, one of us is going to be gone probably. Yeah. I want to give more thought to this one too in a future show and make sure I get my numbers mm-hmm. right. But Robert Lewandowski at his age, and the mm-hmm. fallout since the World Cup. Again, that mm-hmm. two two goals in his last nine league of matches. Again, that's not a big enough sample size to really get too scared. I'm not scared about this season. I don't even mm-hmm. think I'm scared of next season. But at his age and the drop-off in production he's had in the last four months, coupled yeah. with the fact that his contract goes to 2026, now you have me concerned. Like that number of June of 2026 for his contract, that's yeah. the one that seems terrifying to me in the, in the last two or three months. Again, not necessarily this season, or next yeah. season. But I mean, every passing day, Lewandowski has less sell on value. I mean, that was the whole thing about the levers and bringing in Lewandowski that Barcelona aren't bringing in players because they're trying to win the Liga trophy. Like you're, they're so desperate to win trophies and to have achievements on the field that yeah. they were, we'll say, in theory, mortgaging the future on players. Yes. But again, they also gave Ansu Fati a contract that he doesn't look like he's going to be able to fulfill at his number at a 10 yeah. million year. He's not playing like a 10 million euro a year player. He's playing it as, as a 4 million or 3 million yeah. euro a year player at the Eric Garcia level. And that's kind of messing with that salary structure a little bit and makes decisions difficult. Now, one of the decisions though, Rafinha. When Rafinha arrived to Barcelona last season at Leeds, he had scored three goals. I mean, sorry, 11 goals and three assists for Leeds United, being the man for a team that wasn't great. And Rafinha, what did he come for? Was it 55, 65, whatever it was? 65, or, I believe. 65, yeah. right. Or 55 plus instead, whatever it was. Yeah. Rafinha arrives at that number. After making, after getting uh, three goals, uh, 11 goals, I don't know what I could say, 11 goals and three assists. And yep. I think I told people many times, I had a Leeds United expert come on, Oscar, and we talked about it. The expectations of Rafinha were X, Y, Z. This is what he does well. This is what he doesn't do well. And I am actually over the moon of the performance that Rafinha put in yesterday because 
be a broken record of a thing I ranted about last week that to sum it up, contributions over moments. Rafinha, not for a single moment. I did not write a single note in my notes here other than Ferran Torres and Rafinha. It's not really working out. Rafinha did zero zilch in 45 minutes to start that game. <laughs> I was like, is he, what is he doing? What is happening? Like, yes, athletic clubs press made it difficult for him. He defended yeah. well, I thought, though, to, to his credit. Mm-hmm. And Barca were kind of on the back foot. Athletic club, Valverde, they got it right at some mess as they should be. Like, and again, at some point, you do give some credit to, as I said, you beware the lion. Beware the lions of Semmes because they came mm-hmm. out, they were fighting. You know, they were <laughs> kicking the heck out of Gabi. Gabi was kicking the oh heck out of them, and the ref wasn't calling any fouls. And you know what? That's fine by me. And Gabi, Gabi looked like he wasn't going to stop until he got kicked in the head. Well, which is very close. Yes, <laughs> I mean he twice. I remember he. <laughs> yeah, just, he that. was just sticking it in there. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, we we need you on the field, upright and healthy. Oh my goodness! Yeah, in front of athletic club in particular, Raul Garcia's boot. Okay, I hate oh, Raul yeah. Garcia enough. Right, him kicking <laughs> Gobby's head like a soccer ball, or like a ball. It's not like that would give me more grounds. Of course, I hate him, but I don't think I have that much hate in my heart. Yeah, Raul Garcia enough to have him kick Gobby in the head. Yeah. But anyway, back to Rafinha. Yeah. So, so Rafinha, other than defending and trying to help with that offensively really does nothing get again one v one dribbling we've talked about it until we're blue in the face doesn't really work for him but the numbers once again the goal contributions and how important he has been to barca winning a la liga title this season he now has moved his way up to i would say player six are we doing in the liga ter stegen pedri Lewandowski, dembele or arajo dembele rafinha yep even before kunde and christensen like i think i'm at rafinha now because he has yeah. seven goals and five assists in all competitions since 2023 yeah. began. He now has nine goals. Again, this is a number, remember, of last season. He had nine goals and nine assists on the season. So he's on pace to hit double digits, 10 and yeah. 10. Last season, again, 11 goals and three assists. So he's on pace to, bl- I mean, he's already blown his assists out of the water. And he's on pace to equal, at least, his goal scoring attribute. I mean, his goal scoring when he was the number one guy for Leeds United. So he has done, as far as goal production, exactly what he came to do and he did some of it coming off the bench behind Dembélé without yeah. with less with way less minutes. So it works out yesterday and again why I'm over the moon to kind of put a, a bow on Rafinha. Why I'm over the moon about him is that his goal yesterday, yes he stayed on side, which is really really important, which he hasn't done at all times this season, but he scored it with his right foot. And when Rafinha, who is so left foot dominant, is able to put the ball in the net with his right foot in an opportunistic spot I mean, he knew it. Like, he knew that with Barcelona's one nothing wins, he knew when he scored that right-footed goal, when they let him celebrate finally, because he didn't know, you know, it was VAR, offside, yeah. wasn't working. But when they blew that whistle, it's always this weird emotional thing when you watch the players, like, they have to celebrate a second time. But he knew yeah. right away that the whistle was blown, right? He knew right away that might have been offside. It was going to go to VAR. So he, he was pretty reserved in that initial celebration. But you could see what it meant to him when VAR overturns it, where it's like yep. you go from disappointed to happy and you go through the emotional spectrum. But he, he celebrated the VAR check as if he had scored it in the, you know, in the first moment. And that says a lot of what that goal meant to him, scoring with his right foot, doing it as MMS. Like there's that beautiful picture of, the, of the, all of the, the, the Basque fan just screaming and raining, raining down on him, the booze and the, yep. <laughs> the bird. And, and he's just standing with his arms outstretched knowing that he's the guy. And I think yep. it showed you a huge difference where he was, has he been great with the eyes or has he been great with this skill all year? No. Like, again, he's been absent at so many times. And you see if when Ferran Torres and Ansu are absent, the way they've struggled, and yet Ferran, I mean, Rafinha can be absent 
and yet he's still doing the thing. He still scores yeah. a goal. He still gets his moment, and it's like he's living on those moments. His and, peaks and, are so high. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I agree. And I saw a statistic, too, that apparently he's the leader among Brazilian players in all of Europe's top five leagues in assists this season. Mm. And when I thought about it, I was like, okay, I saw the, and the rest of the list doesn't immediately come to mind, but I was thinking, like, you know, when in, in talking about Rafinha, and, you know, we talk about how he can go he can go missing at times or you know sometimes he's you know it's like you said it's more it's more peaks and kind of moments with him than always just just a steady constant influence in the game and i remember seeing that and just thinking that i mean he he really is putting together what you said like what looks like a really good season on he's been more consistent and you know more more of a uh, frequent threat i think a little bit of late, and I think he had another stretch earlier in the season where he where he looked fantastic. But he's really kind of putting together an excellent season from those moments, and you know, and he's picked his spot. I mean, the the good thing is that he he never got his head down, and he never you know he hasn't shrunk from you know he hasn't shrunk from the responsibility with with Dembele being out, and you know with Lewandowski tailing off in in attack, and you know Torres and Ansu Fati and everything like that. I mean, there's. Talk about it. We have all these names that we rattle off, but given the state of everyone's health and form, like this is a team that needs some help in attack, and he's you know not not run from that responsibility, and he hasn't he he neither he neither got pouty or you know anything like that when when he wasn't always starting and he wasn't always featured, and he's also when he's been called upon, he's shown that he is capable again not if not minute to minute, but when you need him, he will he can pop up and like you said, do the thing. Yeah. I mean, yesterday too, I was impressed at the fact that <laughs> I, I, I'm putting way too much on Pedri. Like I, I put way too much on the idea of Pedri <laughs> even returning. Like he's only been on a few weeks, but returning in Barcelona, <laughs> like their attack is not going to improve drastically. Even when Dembele comes back, like they're look at the beginning of the season too. Like it was still the same one, nothings. Like the reason I have the nine in the Liga, like it's still the same team, but the things that Barcelona were struggling with yesterday Fortunately, I think, are the things that Pedri does to help rectify. And Barcelona did a lot of the other things well. Again, other than that one moment that Alonso is just a bad defender and gets does it doesn't have, not only has the speed, but didn't have the positioning to deal with yep. Inaki Williams on that run up the middle. Like you said it was a beautiful goal. I didn't think it was a beautiful goal. I think I, uh, I thought it was a nice goal. finish. I mean, I don't know. I think Marcus yeah. Alonso was was taking yeah. a nap. And if anything, Lewandowski should have scored that exact same goal pretty much in the first half. And Barcelona should have been up one nothing at that moment before. Oh, we, oh, we agree there. Right? <laughs> um, and yeah, and then I mean, Ansu should have scored one late too. So yeah, I think Barcelona yeah. lost him on the on on the on the floor. But I, I guess a compliment a little bit to Barca to figure it out in the second half when they did the first half. Like they were playing at Athletic Club's pace, a jumpy goal, and you see that Athletic Club won to score one on a set piece. There's no Ronda Rajo. so when Ro yeah. Garcia gets in front of Busquets and hits that on the underside of the bar, I mean that's that's a warning shot for Barca. And you felt like, well, if they can survive that, then maybe they'll survive anything. But I think the thing of frustrating me yesterday about the players, and De Young was frustrating in this more than I think almost anybody else. Like his body language was off yesterday. Lewandowski's body language was off. There was just too many times when I would see Lewandowski and Frankie De Young. And now, again, if you're watching as opposed to listening, that, well, or you can be listening about this. He, he basically, mm-hmm. they both put two hands down where they, you put them like, like down towards the ground to the thighs, and, you, and you're saying, you're gesturing. I mean, that's yeah. play it to my feet, play the ball yeah. two feet here. Yeah. yeah. And my frustration <laughs> with that is one, Barcelona's passing was not crisp enough. Like, even though he had 64% of possession, the passing yep. was not crisp enough. The balls were being played to feet. It wasn't happening. 
But part two of that is they were asking, I think Lewandowski and De Young, for the ball to be played to feet, but they were doing it without movement. So yeah. at times an athletic club where it would allow Barca to have possession in their third of the field, there was no movement. Even when they had set up in that 3-2-5, there was no movement to try to push athletic club, not even deeper, but to open up those half spaces and those inside channels to get anything in behind. Like athletic club were saying, okay, you're going to have this whole sequence breakdown because we got mm-hmm. you hesitating on your diagonal balls. I mean, Rafinha yep. too was going nuts in that first half saying, why are we not hitting these diagonal balls? It's one thing for Sergio Roberto to not play long cross field, difficult diagonal balls or Rafinha. Like that's one thing, but yep. everybody was kind of just waiting on it and they were hesitating and they were cutting it back. And I, I don't know what was happening. I don't know what's why. And so the whole sequence would break down because Barca would recycle possession back to Christensen and very much like when, well, it is usually Christensen at left center back, but when it's Araujo at right center back, other teams are doing the same thing. Like, hey, you beat us with diagonal ball. You beat us by breaking us mm-hmm. down in this low block. Araujo, can you do it? And usually, like, that's why Barcelona winning one nothing because a lot yeah. of times they can't. And the same thing happened yesterday where Christensen, I thought, was doing a good job. But again, the whole sequence would break down and then I would watch him recycle it right back to him. And then you try to figure it out again. But there was just not enough movement the ball playing wasn't good enough. But again, the body language also when they were yeah. failing to have their teammates kind of, you know, not play ball to feet, it was making everybody hesitate and it felt like nobody yeah. trusts each other. And when you don't trust each other, that also allows athletic club to press you. Yeah. And I think that's continuing to be an issue where it's one thing for the talent and the team to not be good enough. But yesterday it just felt like they were frustrated with each other. It wasn't cohesive. It wasn't working. And so of course my eyes go to Xavi and say, Hey Xavi, I know you don't have Pedri. I know you don't have Dembele. There's something weird about this team that's winning the Liga by nine points. Like, there's a vibe. There's something off. Like, they are playing as if they're failing to make it in Europe when they're already out of Europe. They need yeah. to be excited about the task at hand. And Gabi's the one trying to kill himself to, to, to get these three points. You can see what that VAR goal meant to him. You know, yeah. Gabi's killing himself. You see what the goals mean to Rafinha, but he puts his head down. And he gets mad when you take him out of a game and sub him out. So it's like, I don't know. Like, Xavi, he's there because the locker room is in his corner. But as he said, and we, I talked about it with Rick, on Thursday, if Xavi loses that locker room even an ounce or doesn't have his players, that's the end of him in FC Barcelona. Even if he wins the league this season, that's we're talking about next season. So broadly speaking, I mean that's that's probably correct. I mean I don't know I don't know if it's so much if he loses the locker room an ounce necessarily because I do think by virtue of simply being Xavi and coming in on the tail end of the Valverde, Setien, Kuman sort of cavalcade of swings and misses and you know it's actually strike that i i mean i shouldn't even include valverde in there just no one seemed to i was about to say that (laughs) yeah no no one liked valverde no i think that man was done wrong but you know so that's that's another issue for another day but just kind of on this uh at the very least the the cavalcade of unpopular managers or you know managers who quickly became unpopular in the case of like kuman came in as a legend and became unpopular quickly i i think there's going to be hesitation in making yet another change when especially the man at the helm now was the the white whale kind of the the club legend who really was going to come in and could relate to these guys and is not that much older than them you know than the older guys and you know could really get his points across i don't think that they would be quick to to remove him i also i don't know that necessarily i don't get the sense that the locker room is that he's losing the locker room or players don't like him or don't like playing for him. There seems to be, sometimes there's simply just like a lack of a, a lack of a rhythm. Sometimes, you know, as you said, lack of trust, lack of rhythm, uh, an absence of, an absence of fresh ideas when they're out there. 
because in a vacuum, very you know, most of these guys are not the types of players who are designed for or you know, kind of probably derive their greatest pleasure from playing in one nil wins. You know, I mean, you look at mo, yeah. you know, and and yet here they are, and like you said, it's the funny thing is they are barring anything crazy, they are going to cruise to a La Liga title. And it all just, it it does feel kind of strange and disjointed. But if they're able to, to win two more matches in the Copa Dore and, you know, keep this thing on the, keep this thing on the rails in La Liga, I mean, Javi is going to have, you know, in a season and a half, will have won three domestic trophies. And so I, I don't know that I necessarily fear for, Chavi's future at this point, but I I do think there, and I can't put my finger on it. I don't know that there's I don't know that there's a culprit, or I don't have a great idea for what the solution is. But there does seem to be something in the team construction that, for for all of the talent and for all of the fact that these guys, by and large, you know, seem to get along well enough. There there isn't a, a spark, you know, as far as I don't know. Like there there's not a there's not sort of a, a vibe or a, you know, a dominance about this team. They're just, it's a team of stars that's mastered workmanlike performances. And it's a little bit strange. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I said like this team has the personality of, about around Araujo. Like that's as ugly it is. Like it seems like this is, that's kind of the team that they yeah. have. Just like, let's get it done. Let's, let's suffer. Let's figure it out. Let's fight. Let's fight. But not everybody does that either. But <laughs> I, don't I feel know. like this is almost—I feel like this is almost Barca's version of like 1994 Brazil, where you know they, they won the World Cup, but Brazilians don't even like you know they—they've won so many World Cups, Brazilians don't even like that particular World Cup win. Right. Like they—they yeah. they sort of gloss over it because it was like was yeah. it was Dunga and like all those guys. Like yep. they were the the staples of the team. I feel like this is that Barca team where like remember that one time where like kept winning one nil and it was awesome because we yeah. won the league back, but what a weird time that was. Well, yeah. I mean, again, to, 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 to wrap up the show, it's like these three points are so huge. There was an, there was a world where going into the international break and we know how Barcelona returns from international breaks usually with their results, like going internet in the international break, there was a way that Barcelona had fallen in this one to the sword when Real Madrid had already been mm-hmm. Espanol and now it's six points. And then they lose El Clasico on Sunday and now it's three points. Like there was yeah. a world where that happened. And instead, Barcelona head into El Clasico, getting Araujo back, getting Pedri back, and still being yep. up nine points. And again, while the product on the field doesn't look great, you don't have to worry about Barcelona not being good enough for Europe this year because there might be one or two free transfers or something or players head out or who knows what the club can manage or figure out over the summertime, right? And and adjustments and more time with training. And the Xavi doesn't really have any time to train. Like, it's just game after game after game after game. Yeah. This is the first time we've ever had any training. So what can Xavi put together over the course of the summer? And uh, without a World Cup in the middle of it all, it'll be a little bit of more rest to the players mm-hmm. than they've had in multiple years. Like, so that might be helpful to somebody like Lewandowski, <laughs> who's yeah. been pretty long in the tooth there. So I, I think there is a world where... <sighs> I mean, of the off the off the field stuff is one thing, but as as far as on the field, that Barcelona may have this might be Barcelona surviving the storm. Like they might have been able to survive without Pedri and Araujo, and mm-hmm. well, from this game at least, and they've been able to survive the storm. And I'm quite optimistic after this game, to be honest, about La Liga more than I think I was at any point. Even if Barcelona lose El Clasico on Sunday, it's still mm-hmm. six points. Like they're still up six points, and then at that point, eleven to go, right? No, no. Yeah. yeah, or 12 to go, I'm sorry. Yeah. 12 to and, go, and they're up by six. So it's like, even at that juncture, 
I'd be I'd be filled with a bit of hope. So, uh, Emil, last word. The the whole thing to click into place and the the style of play to get more beautiful and the wins to be two nil, three nil, even four nil on occasion and not these suffering one nils. But you know, I mean, for for all the names that are out there, a lot of the big names and you know, in this instance, I mean, I guess we can say effectively most of the big names in attack are off their game or they're Dembele and they're on the sideline and Pedri is out and Araujo is out. So, you know, if you put it like that and, you know, what is it? Two thirds of, you know, whatever, 75% of your eight best players are either injured or misfiring at this, you know, at a particular moment, it's, they're doing a good job of getting the results. And I know that's essentially the drum that I've beaten and we've, beaten, you know, sort of throughout this stretch of the the nine one nil victories and things like that. But they're doing what needs doing. And I think we're far enough into the season where, yeah, I mean there might, you know, there might be a game where, you know, they everything sort of clicks and they put four or five past somebody and, you know, it just feels like party time. But by and large, I mean I think this season is this season and this team, and I don't say this in a derogatory derogatory way. This season and this team have shown us kind of what their MO is and what the, mm-hmm. what the move is. And, you know, it's always kind of going back, uh, you know, a year ago at this time, if you had said that, you know, you're going to comprehensively beat Madrid for the Supercopa and you're going to have a, you know, first leg advantage in the semifinals of the Copa del Rey over Madrid. And you're going to, going to be up nine with 13 to go in the league. We would have been, Absolutely delighted. I mean, I, I too would have assumed that it would have looked differently getting to this point. But I mean, the results are the results. And I do think that I think the much of this season was a little bit of weathering the storm and, you know, whether like licking some wounds or allowing sort of the, the wounds of seasons past to heal a little bit. And it's happening in that sense. They are they're they're winning at the very least. So it beats the alternative. I, better better this than playing something more akin to kind of Jogo Bonito, but you know, dropping two points, you know, once every two, three weeks. Yep. Well, I guess the last one actually comes from a Spanish court who have decided <laughs> to cancel Gabi's first team registration, saying that FC Barcelona are one day too late to file their claim. So oh, whether God. it's a few minutes for Julian Araujo to Barca Athletic, or it's Gabi, or it's, again, I'm tired. I'm tired of all the off-the-field stuff all yeah. the time. Just bad news, bad news, yeah. bad news, bad news. Yeah. At least you have some results to look forward to on the field. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. He's Hardwood Hype, so on Twitter, do that in the show notes below. Close Facebook group, Patreon, YouTube, the merch store. That hasn't gone anywhere. TikTok, a lot of different places. So thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. For the Barca. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.